Folks, as always, I appreciate you tuning in to the Get Start podcast. Just a quick addendum. This podcast was recorded five weeks ago, and some of Mitch's updates are now out of date. The data, knowledge, and statistics are rapidly evolving, but overall the trend seems to be positive. Remdesivir information shared here was based on a conversation between researchers and a journalist. Other data have since been released from a different study that does show some promise. Although Mitch is a doctor, he is not your doctor, so none of his comments should be taken as medical advice. Get it on, stay healthy, and please question what you see and hear. forward to this conversation with the Dr. <laughs> Mitchell Kelly Edquist coming from you live in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Mitch, what's happening? What's going on, my man? Glad to be back. It's been a full year. Been a full year. Last time we got to podcast was in person here in Lawrence on campus in the Butick Hall. Man. Wonderful, wonderful studio. We had a lot better acoustics then. We had a lot better of a uh, of a connection because we did not need the internet at that time. But correct, we're fighting yeah. through it now. We're fighting through it. We're fighting through it. Yeah, this isn't take one, but uh, <laughs> hopefully it's the final take. <laughs> it's a great uh, social distancing podcast. It really is. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, hey, uh, how about you give the listeners a little update as to what's been going on with you over the yeah. last three sixty five? I mean, you've got a couple couple letters after your name now. That's pretty exciting stuff. I do. Yeah. Last time. So it, it was uh, episode 37, I believe. It must 37. have been last April, I think. Indeed. Um, that was a couple months before med school graduation. Um, so since then, I got my degree and have started uh, residency, essentially. So I'm in my first year, my intern year of residency here in beautiful La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, been living the dream ever since. Heck yeah, man. And I, I was fortunate enough to be in New York City with you and your family and uh, reflect on those days often. I just sent you a, a little video that my phone actually sent my way last week. Of yeah. A compilation of all these different pictures and it was very nostalgic. That was a really fun little montage there. Yeah, it was. Fantastic uh, four days or so in New York City. It sure was. Yeah. And honestly, you know, New York City is expensive, but I feel like mm-hmm. uh, we we did it right. We had a ton of fun, but we didn't we were kind of balling on a budget. We had a little Airbnb with it in Brooklyn. Maybe it was not. like Coney Island. It was it was way south. It was it was far away. For anybody who's been in New York City, it was uh, it was about as far away as you can go from uh, you know from like Manhattan. Yeah, we had a couple real late night excursions that turned into like hour and a half, two hour ordeals just to get back to a bed to sleep in for like four hours before yeah. we did it all over again the next day. Exactly. And yeah. we, had, we had a nice walk past uh, the Lombardi Elementary School, though. That's how we started the trip off, is we yeah. found the Lombardi Elementary School in Brooklyn. 
and uh, went and got a, some coffee. We, we went to that oh, coffee yeah. shop like three times in four days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Creatures of habit. Once you find something good, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, hey, how about uh, you tell us a little bit about what it's, what it's been like this spring with working in the hospital, with working in Gunderson and being an infectious disease. Right. So I did my infectious disease rotation. Um, I guess I got a kind of luck of the draw to, to be um, scheduled for it uh, during the month of March. Because uh, as everybody knows by now, it was probably like the second or third week of March that everything kind of blew up uh, in regards to the whole coronavirus thing. Um, so that was a really good learning experience. I got to sit in a lot, sit in on a lot of uh, good uh, like teleconferences and, uh, and meetings with, you know, people from the CDC and, and other agencies like that. Um, got to see a lot of the behind the scenes work at, at you know, a community level hospital for uh, what sort of thing goes into the preparation for a pandemic, essentially. Um, you know, it's a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of logistics, a lot of paperwork, <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. of meetings. Like it, it's, a, it's, it's quite the ordeal, um, as everybody can probably imagine. So, uh, that finished up uh, the end of March, and since then I've been in the emergency room. So that's been kind of a fun rotation to transition into uh, from infectious disease down to the emergency room. Um, the hospital, so our location, uh, we've not really been slammed by the coronavirus, uh, by SARS-CoV-2 is actually what the virus is called. Um, have not really been slammed too hard by it in this location, um, which has been nice, of course. Uh, we we prepared quite a bit and have everything already in the hospital. Um, you know, there's a whole hospital floor that's all walled off now that did not used to be walled off. Um, some of the windows were knocked out to create a negative pressure uh, system throughout the whole hallway to, to try to keep everybody safe. Um, the elective surgeries and procedures are canceled. The most, most outpatient appointments are canceled uh, in favor of doing telemedicine style appointments. Um, it kind of feels like a ghost town in the hospital. It kind of feels like you're working on a weekend every day with just the lack of normal people milling around. Um, so it's a little bit, a little bit eerie, but, uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thankful that we have not really been too stressed by the disease itself. We've only had maybe, I think at max three in the hospital at any given time. Yeah. It seems like population density is the most important factor yeah. with this. Huge. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you look at the, the maps, um, I think the best, the best and easiest uh, to look at map is the Johns Hopkins one um, that I know a lot of people have been able to check out. And if you look at the, um, like the cases per 100,000 people or cases per population uh, section of that map, there's like two really strong blips in New York City and right, you know, New York City, Baltimore, DC, Boston, that little square and then Los Angeles, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then up in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything in between is, is just a mild, um, mildly represented on the map. Yep, that totally makes sense. And mm -hmm. I guess we're lucky to be in Wisconsin and Kansas, places where yeah. you still got to take it serious for sure. This thing can spread quick. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm starting to get the sense that we're going to get back to a new normal mm -hmm. sooner than later. I'm really starting to get that sense. I think so. I think people are just kind of ready for it. Like, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a good month where we, where everything's been pretty much locked down. Um, but I, th I think a lot more statistics have come out lately that the, 
proverbial curve is being flattened and in some mm -hmm. places is decreasing a little bit. Um, there's one, there's another website uh, out of the University of Washington, I believe. Um, the website is essentially IHME. Uh, I don't know what that stands for off the top of my head, but it's their like mathematical modeling system that all the officials have been using and that all the, the media outlets have been citing. And uh, the graph is all charted out and everything. And it looks like on that uh, mathematical modeling software that I believe it was two days ago was the peak um, resource use and I think peak death rate in the United States um, from a model standpoint. Um, oddly enough, today actually is Kansas's peak. So all right. I'm living right, you're living right through it. Yeah, you're Ooh. in it. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I, I understand it and know that a lot of the places in the high population density areas, um, hospital-wise, are, are definitely struggling, um, or were more at first. I, th I think a lot of things have, have kind of caught up in terms of resources and in terms of um, preparation and whatnot. Um, so it, it seems to me that, that things are going a lot better now than they were, um, you know, a week and a half ago, even a week ago at this time. Hmm, that's good to hear. Yeah. I know one of the spots in Kansas that's really gotten drilled was is a nursing home or assisted living center in Kansas City. And they mm. might have had 300 people living there. And I want to say they lost a lot of people. They might have lost even like 90 folks. Oh, and, wow. and we haven't lost a ton of people in the state of Kansas in general. Sure. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to see how, once again, population density, people living in close quarters, but also the people who have compromised mm. immune systems and they're not able at the age of 80 and 90 to be exercising and right. doing different things. Exactly. And that's exactly what people have been saying the whole time is it's these, you know, kind of well-known risk factors will um, lead to a human being having a higher chance of having a severe infection. And that's not to say that the, uh, the young, healthy people never have severe reactions and never have a devastating, you know, disease course from this, but uh, very much less likely than, um, your older typical nursing home resident. Um, and that situation just totally lends itself to increased transmission and spread within their little community there. Cause everyone kind of lives on top of each other and you know, it's tough. It is tough. I know they just announced yesterday that Vaughn Miller is technically the second NFL player who is tested positive for COVID-19 uh, and he does have asthma. So some people were okay. freaking out a little bit about that, but he said that he doesn't feel any sort of symptoms. Yeah. He has it, but he feels great. And I think that's been kind of the census for a lot of people, especially younger folks. Like, yes, we tested positive for COVID-19. Yes, it's serious, but let's mm -hmm. not act like this person has cancer. Um, it's, yeah. It's yeah. not that serious. It's, right? it's tough because it's different for everybody. So it, it definitely can be that serious. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's definitely not something to take lightly, but it doesn't have to be full on like thoughts and prayers mode either for, True. for every single person who gets it. <laughs> um, I get it when people are going downhill, of course it should be, but uh, yeah, you know, it like for, for the athlete, for Von Miller, for his 32 year old hyper athletic um, living in Denver probably. So has fantastic, like, you know, cardiac and respiratory reserve from training at altitude for a million mm -hmm. days in a row, essentially. Um, yeah, he'll probably be fine, I imagine. Exactly. And if he got pneumonia, you know, people would be like, 
Von Miller has pneumonia. That sucks. I'm glad I don't have it, you know, but because it's this COVID-19, it's, it's, we just kind of, I think the, the fear that has been driven into COVID-19, it's helped us stay ahead and probably get to this state right now where, like you said, the curve is flattening. Right. Um, we're, we're arguably, we see the light at the end of the tunnel much more now than we did two weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. Um, we, we might've potentially overprepared a little bit, um, at least in some places that, that's hard to say, like once again, in, in places like Los Angeles or New York city or something like that, but in like North Dakota or, uh, Wyoming or places like that, like, right you know, them going into full on hardcore shutdown mode, like might not have been all that necessary. Um, I know it seems like the conversation is starting to shift more towards when will we be reopening different industries and different parts of the economy. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's, that's a pretty realistic short-term goal. It, it seems for places like that, um, these not high, high population density zones, such as North Dakota and Wyoming and whatnot. Um, that being said, Wisconsin just extended our whole lockdown stay at home thing until like the end of May. I saw that. Has a lot of people uh, pretty frustrated. In this I, area. Understandably so. I mean, I, I'm all for being proactive and, and taking care of people. People over profit is definitely a philosophy I've adopted. Mm-hmm. With that said, uh, people got to eat. People have to feed their yeah. families and pay bills and uh, we just extended it here in Kansas until May 3rd or 4th, I believe, okay. which I, th- I think that's appropriate a couple more weeks, but I think yeah. Wisconsin going until the end of May, that's over a month. Uh, yeah. It might've been a little bit aggressive. Maybe. Yeah. Cause it, it seems like Milwaukee is certain hospitals in Milwaukee are kind of having a tough time, but outside of that, um, I mean, in, specifically lacrosse County has not had any deaths. Um, the only people who have died at our hospital have come from Northeastern Iowa. Um, and, you know, Northeastern Iowa is having a little bit of a pocket of, of cases for some reason, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's just most of the state just isn't really that hard hit for, for some reason. I mean, probably for the population density reason, and because we had a lot of time to prepare, we were very insulated compared to the coasts. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. It seems, it seems a little, uh, I, w- I wish that the stay-at-home orders would be like week by week, not like a month in advance this early on. I it totally just, it agree. Like a little, it seems like a little much. So I've heard some talk about herd immunity and how that works with diseases and sicknesses. Can you mm-hmm. describe kind of what that concept means? Yeah, so basically um, her- herd immunity is when a certain – there's a certain level uh, of population that is immune to a certain disease, whether that be uh, SARS. I'm knocking my uh, <laughs> webcam off my arm here. Uh, whether that be uh, SARS-CoV-2, uh, whether that be um, measles, things like that. Uh, a lot of times you hear herd immunity in conversations regarding vaccines, but what happens is you end up having a certain level or certain threshold of the population reached that are immune to a certain condition that do not themselves become infected with the disease uh, if they're exposed to the, to it and don't end up transmitting um, disease onto other people and, and being contagious and getting other people infected. 
they, they never, you know, pass it on essentially. So you get what you need, what that leads to is that you don't need to have 100% of the population exposed, uh, go through the disease and be recovered to uh, almost essentially wipe out a disease. Uh, if you have a certain amount that who, of people who are unable to transmit the disease to other people, um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but if you have a certain amount who are immune or have recovered, uh, that severely reduces the transmission rate generally. That makes sense. I think I'm kind of saying that in a roundabout way, but... Yeah, it makes sense to me. It's it's good basically... thing. You want to reach the herd immune status if you can. And vaccines Absolutely. do that um, for, for things like measles, um, but for things that we don't have vaccines for, you can do that by having a certain most people exposed and recovered. Mm. So I'm glad you brought up vaccines because that was uh, the next word that I wrote down after herd oh, immunity. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's hard when you're from a small town in Wisconsin and sometimes you log into Facebook, you see, you see different sort of posts and different opinions, which is great. I think unique opinions are what America's founded on, but sometimes I think we have to evolve and accept that science is here to benefit us and, mm -hmm. and make our lives easier and healthier and more prosperous. So uh, yeah. vaccines to me, it, it just makes sense. It just seems almost like common sense to, to listen to doctors and experts in, in the field of medicine. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's unfathomable for me to, uh, to realize that people will continue to not trust vaccines and will continue to refuse them for their children um, on the basis of quite literally one study that was done, uh, I think in the 90s, that had falsified data that all of the co-authors redacted their support, support for and that the main author lost his medical license for. Um, it's, I don't know, that, that study got out, people, it gained a little bit of steam. Then a couple of notable uh, celebrities um, who I would say are probably no longer really in the, the A-list celebrity range um, <laughs> propagated the, the sorts of myths regarding like autism, say, for the MMR vaccine. Um, and it, it kind of just sparked this whole movement. And people are just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. People will believe, people will believe what they, what they want to believe and you can find anything on the internet. So when you, when your brain gets that nice little surge of dopamine from a little uh, exercise and confirmation bias by reading something that like might be able to be construed to fit your own narrative of how the world works, um, the brain loves that. And the people who, who go out and seek information on how vaccines are harmful and they find a little nugget of something that they can latch onto, um, it only just furthers to feed that, that, uh, or scratch that itch that they have. Mm. Um, these people who make vaccines spend hundreds of millions of dollars and do years and years and years of safety testing and, uh, efficacy testing before it's ever released to a human being. So some people have allergic reactions to some vaccines and that's fair, but, uh, you, you do not get autism from vaccines you do not have uh, toxic mercury <clears throat> injected into your body from vaccines. Um, and overall vaccines have saved probably hundreds of millions of people by this point. Totally agree. 
I, so that so partly why people are fighting so hard to try to develop one for this damn coronavirus. I know, and they're going hard right now. There's people <clears> that are they're really trying to accelerate the vaccination, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me to see something that could be shared by the end of 2020. I don't know if that's realistic, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. I wonder, I, I am of the, it seems to me that the, there will first be a treatment before there's a vaccine, um, <clears throat> which is fine too. Cause once, once you have a, an effective treatment for something like this, then, then the scariness factor drops down immensely. And um, it kind of, at that point becomes more like any other disease that has a treatment. Um, someone gets it, they get tested for it. They test positive, then they get treated. Um, and so there's definitely some some good uh, progress being made in that realm as well. Uh, a lot of people hear about hydroxychloroquine. That's probably the, that one and, and remdesivir are the two that probably get the most media attention so far. Um, hydroxychloroquine has had kind of mixed results. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been there's been some very small studies that have had uh, just a small um, po population or a small sample size. Uh, that has shown some benefit to like reduced viral load and reduced you know fever time and reduced time on a ventilator. There's been other studies that have shown that it didn't really make a difference um, for those patients. So that one's kind of up in the air still. Um, I think it was even today or yesterday that there was a study that some early um, I can't say that the results were released, but there was like a teleconference from this company called Gilead, which is a pharmaceutical company, and they're working on um, testing remdesivir, which is an antiviral drug uh, in Chicago. And they had a teleconference with something and some, some journalist was a part of that teleconference and decided to publish the, what they heard essentially. And I guess the, they have like a hundred and, 15 or 150 patients in Chicago that um, got different levels of this drug remdesivir. And uh, so far the results are very positive. Awesome. <clears throat> People being like, you know, fever free and discharged out of the hospital uh, after having severe disease, um, like, like two to three days after starting this medication. That's so great to hear. That's and great. What's, yeah. really, what's really getting people good is the lungs, right? It ends up in the lungs and becomes pneumonia or becomes very hard for them to breathe, which is where the ventilators come into the Correct. scene. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but this, this virus has been weird. So they've, uh, the, the main area where it affects you is the lungs, yes. Um, but it's also been found to uh, cause what's called a myocarditis, um, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. Uh, it's been caught, been known to cause um, encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain. Mm. Uh, people get, you know, people get diarrhea from this. Some people don't ever have a fever. So it's, it's, it's so weird how this virus is presenting in so many different ways, whether it's fever, cough, shortness of breath, sore throat. Um, diarrhea is the new one that everyone's big on. Um, the weird one is loss of smell and loss of taste. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will present just with that and uh, we'll end up testing positive. So it's, it's tough, man. I mean, pretty much for almost any patient presenting with almost any chief complaint, uh, we're at the point where we want to rule out COVID-19, uh, which is, which is tough on a healthcare system because you, it, you don't want to use all the PPE for every single patient who comes in. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. As we talked about earlier, it feels like we're, we're overcoming this and yeah. it's not what we thought it could be. Cause we were talking about millions of people dying in America 
And now right. I think it's going to be much more comparable to the common flu. And I'm not saying that COVID-19 is the same thing as the flu. I know they're vastly different. Right. They're separated much quicker. Um, right. But is this one of those things where you think, uh, like, is a pandemic just something that kind of happens every seven, eight, ten years? It's just kind of like a market recession. It's it's not it's not that frequent, but uh, yeah, but there have been many, of course. Um, <clears throat> the obviously everyone knows about the Spanish flu uh, that was in the late nineteen teens, I think nineteen eighteen. Um, that one was <clears throat> influenza virus, and it killed, you know, tens of millions of people. Uh, yeah. This is nowhere close so far. I think if I just quick open up the data on total deaths of coronavirus as of today, um, we have, sorry, I'm just checking it out on my computer. That's good. I think the Spanish flu was like 50 million too. Yeah, it it was definitely something like that. Total total deaths here, um, yeah, COVID-19, 153,000. So that is nowhere near that. Uh, it's, It's not a perfect comparison to compare it to influenza. Um, but you know, they're both respiratory viruses. So, so that makes sense. Uh, and this is obviously certainly less devastating than that is. Um, yeah, the, the initial models that from this site, uh, IHME is this, um, the like mathematician, uh, math department out of, uh, University of Washington. Um, they initially predicted about 200, 260,000 deaths in the U S with social distancing and the the whole precautions being taken uh and then i think it was last week they they downgraded that to about 60,000 so that went from from 260 to 60 uh great <laughs> that is yeah. awesome yeah so that's good and and that's and that's without treatment that's without vaccine that's um you know just life as it is of course it's taking into effect the social distancing um which I know I told you the other day, I don't like that as a term. Physical distancing, uh, baby. Physical distancing, (laughs) physical distancing. (laughs) You should stay social, just physically distant. Absolutely. Be more social. Honestly, we need it more now than ever. I know, exactly. It's, I'm not one to get up in arms about words, but that one is like a, that one just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Mm, I feel you. Um, But I totally agree. I think we do need these positive reports the world yeah. needs more optimism right now. We needed it before this even happened. So mm-hmm. for you to even share information like that, that we're, we're seeing a decline yeah. in the estimates, <clears throat> that's huge. Well, and, and the one thing that we, there's some a handful of things that we don't know, but one of the big things that we don't know right now is whether um, once you are infected and you recover, are you immune from that, from that mm-hmm. point forward? Um, I think we, most people are assuming that you will be based on how most people respond to viruses, particularly respiratory viruses. The flu is different because it mutates like crazy. Um, but so we're assuming that that's the case. Um, that being said, we don't know that for sure. But that's also the, the kind of the rationale behind testing people for or collecting uh, what's called convalescent plasma from people um <clears throat> so that is uh plasma that you can donate yeah baby yeah baby got it yeah somewhere we, in there we got those scars we got the scars <laughs> <laughs> we got the 30 bucks in our bank account from it <laughs> uh, lots of blats uh, back in lacrosse a lot of blats that that paid for yeah <laughs> um so you can test people's plasma for uh, 
antibodies to, to this disease essentially. And um, <clears throat> the hope is that you can give people who are currently infected with COVID-19 uh, the plasma of someone who has recovered and that that kind of infers a passive immunity to the person uh, and can help them, you know, cure their disease course or clear their disease course quite quicker. That makes sense. Another thing that I've heard a lot about is a potential second wave. Maybe it's in the fall or closer to the winter. <clears throat> yeah. uh, is that pretty typical with something like this? Or is that more so just people being proactive, trying to think of the worst case scenarios? Um, I'm not sure how I can say if it's typical or not, just because this this seems so different from anything that I have knowledge of, of right mm -hmm. now. Um, it, I guess it would make some sense if we don't achieve the, the herd immunity status. Um, and you still can have pretty efficient transmission between people once the world kind of goes back to, you know, going to work every day and, and being in more close contact with each other. Maybe that's in the fall or the late summer or the winter, whenever that might be. It would make sense that, um, especially if you're not immune after being infected now, um, that that certainly could lead to a second wave. Yeah. Which would be a bit discouraging, of course. Um, that's not what you want to see. Hopefully this is I don't know. It's hard to say, but hopefully this, this big first surge is kind of all it takes to, uh, for everyone to kind of get a handle on it and get some treatments developed, get some strategies in place and, uh, you know, and take care of it if it were to come back. Absolutely. And I do think that there should be a round of applause for just the people of America, because as much yes. complaining as I see on social media of people going out and doing this and that, I think the vast majority of people have have listened to the CDC and the World Health Organization, and mm -hmm. they've they've sacrificed maybe their own mental health and well-being right. for the greater good of of the people. And I I like the way that yeah. uh, we've come together. Yeah, it's been really it's been really cool to see um, people really trying to unite behind a cause. Um, I got I have one more word that I don't like about this whole system, and that's the term essential workers. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like splitting people into essential workers versus non-essential workers because uh, I think what this has shown, this uh, event has shown is that you, based on the repercussions to the economy and to uh, people's mental health and to, you know, just the kind of joy that exists in the world at any given time, um, that people are essential from top to bottom uh, and that it kind of takes this whole you know, group of people doing their own thing in so many different industries and so many different forms to help everything run smoothly, um, to kind of lead to everyone having the, enjoying the quality of life that they enjoy. So uh, this has made me think that even more workers are essential than who are essential. Are you telling me Frosty Freeze is essential? Frosty Freeze is open <laughs> and is clearly essential. <laughs> I, I was shocked when my dad said it was open. I was like, no Man, way. That, that was kind of disappointing for me, which I'm very protective right now because I have a father who's sick. Like, and yeah. I don't, I don't want this ice cream shop in my hometown that attracts <laughs> hundreds of people on a daily basis to be open. But I also love Frosty Freeze. So you can't eat there. You can either go through the drive-thru or you can walk up, get it and walk away. Um, but when I see they have pictures, the little, they have the little six feet, like, you know, Do little they? like spray, they have little spray painted ice cream cones in the ground where you can stand. Okay. Uh, All right. It's kind of nice. It was I, nice. I initially yeah. saw a picture and there was like dozens of people out front and there wasn't that spacing wasn't occurring. So yeah, I guess they've learned that. their lesson from that night. 
I think so. Yeah. Good. That's good. Uh, how was how was your dad doing, by the way? You know, he's he's hanging in there, man. He's staying optimistic. He's going for some walks, riding on his bike every day, working out, you know. He's a man of routine. He still wakes up at four thirty, five in the morning and just gets it on. So yeah, it's good. it's been good. I try to talk to him and mom every day, which is that's awesome. I mean, I think it's been good for me just in, in this quarantine. So I think connecting with family and friends is just yeah. so crucial. And you said they're like, uh, they're getting deliveries of groceries and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And Jeannie's they're not really going out of the house at all. They're not unless they go for walks or things of that nature. And then when he goes to the hospital right now, he has to still go do some blood work, but, uh, he might not have to go back until June, which would be great. Oh, that'd be just, so good. Just keep him in the house with mom and Cooper and, yeah. You know, as much as he wants to get out, he wants to golf and he'd love to come down here. That's mm-hmm. just, that's just what we got to do right now. So. Well, if, if, and when he does leave the house in a vehicle, uh, there's a brand new road leading up to your house and all up on top of that hill. Oh, that's amazing. He's going to be happy about my, that. He was, he was probably pretty pissed about that road for a while. So yeah. <laughs> it's nice. see, th- that's the thing also in this time of quarantine and everyone, all the businesses being closed, I could not imagine a better time to fix roads, fix infrastructure. Um, if you're a business owner and you have that thing that you need to get fixed, um, fixing it, repainting something, you know, re- renovating and, and moving around uh, furniture and stuff like that. Like this is such a good time to kind of put a fresh uh, layer on something. Absolutely, man. This is huge for construction workers. I've been seeing, cause I live on the West side of Lawrence and it's a very developing area. They're building apartments. They're building that new hospital that I want you to get a job at. Uh, that people are just grinding. So it, there's a lot to be positive about. There's also a lot of opportunity in the digital space for people who want to create content and share their ideas and do what we're doing right now, record a podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's no reason to just pump the brakes because we're not going into work. I think this is actually a time to accelerate and maybe mm-hmm. try to capitalize on the fact that there's a lot of people out there who are just watching Netflix all day. And uh, yeah, that's, that ain't going to be us. This time you can either go this way or this way and you can either work harder and get better, or you can uh, kind of fall back and, and do nothing. And exactly. uh, once all this blows over and we get back towards, uh, you know, regular life, quote unquote, um, <clears throat> we can, we probably will definitely see the results of that. Yeah. It's going to be crystal clear who's been doing yeah. what that's for sure. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. So after it. I, I want to talk a little bit about the mental health crisis that I think is going to yes. be a result and outcome of what's going on right now. I'm mm-hmm. almost more concerned about that than I am COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering what are your concerns in medicine? What have you seen? Are people really struggling is it different being in lacrosse compared to New York City? I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Um, <clears throat> my my experience might be a bit skewed because we have not had the same burden put on us by COVID-19 itself, um, but we've still had the same burdens placed on us by the lockdown. Um, so for us, there's been a bit of a, a different um, balance in that in that scale than it has maybe been for New York City, say, as an example. Um, so uh, I'm with you there 100%. I definitely worry about the mental health of people currently and moving forward here once we get back um, back to, to regular life here. Uh, I just don't feel like you can, that you can close down a society and put 
20 million people into unemployment claims um, and shut down their opportunities to be, you know, not physically distanced from each other in places like restaurants and bars. And um, <clears throat> now Wisconsin has closed our state parks. So things like that, even um, I, you can't expect there to be um, like no repercussions from that in terms of mental health. So what I would anticipate happening is uh, if it hasn't already gone up, uh, I would anticipate um, <clears throat> depression, anxiety, uh, addiction, mm. um, especially addiction, um, divorce, domestic violence, um, regular old violence, um, you know, theft, th things like that. I, I would imagine all these things will be, uh, will have a bump up here in the, the near future. Cause as people become unemployed, uh, if they have nothing to do, I mean, that's when crimes happen. That's when depression happens. That's when desperation happens. Uh, and it can get, it can get pretty gnarly. So, you know, we were already guaranteed a recession. Um, I think it'll probably, um, that'll probably turn into a, a, an actual depression, I'm, I'm sure, in terms of economy. Uh, and I think that'll lead to a lot of personal depression as well. I totally agree. I think that's a, an astute assessment that you had right there. Mm -hmm. It's definitely alarming. And um, one thing that is a positive in it all is the stimulus package that was passed. True. And a lot of people just had $1,200 dropped in their accounts this past yours? week. I got mine and my tax hey. returns on the same day. So yeah. Uh, couple 2k so i got was, mine on the same day as a paycheck so i was like oh that's perfect. big time <laughs> <laughs> oh it's gonna keep the podcast afloat that's right 1200 bucks there it is we need i mean we need more sponsors basically we do yeah i was gonna actually start off the podcast and let everybody know that this was sponsored by the gunderson hospital in, in lacrosse wisconsin and then introduce you but i figured i don't i don't want any of them listening to this and reaching out and being like don't ever do that again <laughs> You do have one sponsor from the uh, the Soviet Union Board of Animal Control, but we didn't want to let them uh, really have their say in this yeah. podcast. They haven't paid up yet, so we're going to give it time. No, their slogan is just have your pets uh, imprisoned or come <laughs> compliant. Damn it, what was the word? <laughs> Complying, compliant. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering like, if you have any advice for people uh, not even necessarily from a medical standpoint, but just just like life advice uh, for ways that people can improve their mental health and become more resilient in a time where everybody is struggling to a varying degree. Um, you know, I think uh, keeping your head up, um, knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that this is not going to be forever. Um, this I would imagine that we're kind of over the hump as it is and kind of starting to move back towards um, what could resemble something fairly close to a previous normal. Um, hopefully in this time, people choose to place a little bit of a higher priority on their relationships, on their physical health, um, you know, on, on their um, process towards self-actualization and fulfillment, um, you know, maybe by taking up new hobbies or, or, advancing or getting better in current hobbies and passions that they have. Um, I really hope that people have been able to foster some closer relationships with their children. Um, you know, with kids not being at school at all, there's probably been a lot more, hopefully been a lot more time spent between parent and child. And I hope that, uh, 
that's been valuable to both parties in that way. But um, yeah, really just, just remembering that this is not going to be forever, that this is hopefully close to being done. Um, and that there's a lot of different ways that during your, your lockdown period, um, there's so many positive things that you can still do. For sure. And shout out lean, to all lean the on each other. Lean on each other, man. Yeah. Everybody has a support system. And yeah. I think it's easy to feel as if when you're physically alone, it's easy to feel emotionally alone, but mm-hmm. I don't, we aren't. No, you know? no. It, it, yeah. Phone calls are great. FaceTime's great. Zoom, Skype, you know, whatever. Picking up the phone and driving to someone's house and talking to them from, from seeing a, them through the window. Between a window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so cool. The people who are doing that. Yeah. yeah. My dad uh, made the comment that, going over to, to grandma's house and uh looking talking to her through the window is essentially like going to a zoo <laughs> Just, i was like okay dad <laughs> the grandparent zoo <laughs> like all right oh, funny. <laughs> i thought that was pretty good for sure but yeah but, I mean, yeah i like that for sure call call don't text i think hearing people's voice and if you mm-hmm. can make it a video call seeing like somebody's face even it's just, mm-hmm. it's going to boost you just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. How's, uh, how's campus over there? Is it um, absolute ghost town? Uh, and then the city is an absolute ghost town because of it? or It's pretty ghostly on campus. I will say there's a lot of students still around, you know, especially when you drive through. I ran to campus one day and then sprinted our Campanile Hill up by the football stadium mm-hmm. and then kind of ran back to the apartment. And I saw quite a few students because there's a lot of frats and sororities in that area so and that's a that's a population dense living situation (laughs) but uh the city in general is it's quiet you know I go to the grocery store see people there's a couple coffee shops that are still open and I try to stop in at least once or twice a week to support them today the wheel which is like a classic classic bar restaurant opened up for noon burgers (laughs) so I I ordered been there I don't believe so. I think you and I went to the bull and you have stepped foot in the Hawk, I believe as well. Is this part of the Bermuda triangle? It is a part of the Bermuda triangle. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you have been in the wheel. Maybe we stopped in there for one brewski, but I don't think we did. Is that when we talked about ball state? (laughs) (laughs) There might've been more head state and ball state. (laughs) (laughs) In Kansas's, deep disdain for ball state (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah it's a it's a good time around there for sure but they opened up and i got to pick up a burger so but yeah in general uh people here Mm -hmm. lawrence is a very very liberal city um and i think not to make this political but i think people who lean left maybe have a tendency to like i don't want to say overreact but like really take things like this seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that a part, a part of that Lawrence culture is just, they've really bought into the physical isolation, the physical distancing, which is great. Yeah. That, that, that's really interesting. And, and I wonder if that's, if that's inherent to them based on like personality traits and, and overall view of, of the world, or if that's secondary to, media coverage um and certain media outlets presenting things in an, a certain way that maybe um 
painting a different picture from from a different media outlet like say i'm being too vague here but like msnbc or cnn um <clears throat> reporting things in a different way from say fox news mm -hmm. uh, i mean i've i've definitely seen that C cnn and msnbc are much more doom and gloom much more um you know keep the death counter always tallying up and always keeping it there uh and talking about how terrible of a job the government is and then places the government is doing and then um like fox news for example is saying you know the more positive developments that are happening and and how we can reopen the economy soon and how how things are kind of going in the right direction so um i wonder if a little bit of it is depending on the media style that you consume but hopefully realizing that reality exists somewhere in between those two that's that's a very very important point that you make and you know, I get these emails every Monday from Mark Manson yes. uh, and I often share them with you. And he says exactly that. It's like, Hey, consume media on the right, consume media on the left, and then realize that neither of them are 100% factual and that Absolutely. the truth is somewhere in the middle because we live in a, a messy gray world and things aren't mm -hmm. black and white and everybody has an agenda mm -hmm. uh, and everybody is trying to get clicks and sell ad space and make money. And that's what a CEO's job is to do. And uh, right. I think people just have different methods of going about that. And nobody's necessarily better than the other. Uh, there's just some people resonate more with one side versus yeah. the other. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, also I wonder if it's a demographic thing too. O older people might tend to be more, lean more conservative uh, and they might tend to have a little more of a hands-off approach and kind of a I've lived a great life approach or maybe they have a lot more experience hearing news like this of this is going to end the world this is going to end the world this is going to end the world over and over and over again mm -hmm. and none of those things have ever ended the world so maybe they're a little bit jaded when it comes to um, you know kind of hearing coverage about something that's this uh, much of a catastrophe for for a lot of places yep that's a good point and i think it's it's fun to discuss this because i mean you and i politically are not aligned we're i would yeah. i'd argue we're on opposite sides but both of us are more moderate on the side that we're on probably correct uh, i'd say that's probably very true yeah neither of us are too far either direction but uh yeah. we probably do lie on opposite sides of the dead center yep yeah. and that's all right fine by me <laughs> I can change too. I mean, people, exactly. things, things change every day. We're going to be totally different people in, in mm -hmm. 10, 20 years and our, our paradigms will shift. And I also really respect people who are able to vote and support uh, individuals, candidates that they can get behind, not, Hey, you're on the right or you're on the left. So I'm all in, but it's, you know what? Hey, Mark Cuban, you might be Republican, but I'm all about your leadership and your values. So I'm about right. you or, you know, whoever that might be on the left, whether it's Bernie or um, Mark Zuckerberg. I have no idea what these. Too bad it's not Andrew Yang. That's the, that's the guy right there. We talked about UBI a little bit earlier, or at least alluded to it with the stimulus yeah. package. Uh, I, don't, I know there's probably not any intention to do, to do this every month, but um, at least a one-time injection of 1200 bucks is pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Total game changer. Speaking of Andrew Yang people who are listening won't be able to see this, but got the Andrew Yang book right here. The Great war on book. normal people. 
going to be reading that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I read it myself. So good. Nice. Good. I think Andrew Yang, he, uh, he's really kind of changed the trajectory of the United States. I think he really has that much influence with his ideas. Uh, he's a genius, especially from an economical standpoint. I mm-hmm. hope that somebody gives him a cabinet spot regardless of who wins. Cause I think he's earned it. And I think he's got a, a great political future. And I, yeah, I know UBI people often kind of lump it in with socialism. Um, and I'm not, I'm not totally pro free handouts, but I do realize that we're living in a different economy. Right. Uh, technology is changing <laughs> the world we live in and, and we do have to, we have to help people. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if my thought on that is if you can, if you have a reliable and um, like legit way of paying for that, that doesn't involve increasing taxes on individual families by such and such percent, then I it doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. If, if you can somehow get all that money from the largest of the large corporations that sometimes don't pay taxes uh, or pay very minuscule taxes compared to what they actually make um, via different loopholes and, and kind of legal mumbo jumbo, if, if you were able to harness that and get you know, some, some more of their profits going into a fund like this. I think that sounds awesome to me. Yeah. I'm um, about that, that kind of flirts toward with like wealth redistribution, which I'm not all on board for, but in certain instances, I think it's totally fair. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think companies like Amazon, the jumbo, the jumbo companies like them, there's opportunities. Everyone was one. Yeah. Either Apple or Target or something didn't pay any taxes at all, I guess, you know, last few years. Some some quote that's always quote or some stat that's always quoted like that about those companies. Absolutely. Them. Mega churches too. I mean Yeah. That's I know that they're here for the people, but a church is a business. Yeah. Doesn't seem I don't know how necessary it is to have these massive um you know, like essentially a Metrodome uh, sized church that yeah. can fit 40,000 people. It doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't ever think that that needs to be the size of a sports stadium. The parallels between churches like that and the sports industry are strikingly similar. And those pastors are actually a lot like our head coaches and athletic directors who are making massive salaries, living yeah. in huge houses, driving nice cars. And it's like, but seems what's up? <laughs> there's a disconnect there. <laughs> there's a disconnect, and I, yeah. I don't necessarily think I'm the one to solve it. Uh, I'm. No. I shouldn't. Uh, maybe. I don't, I'm just sharing my ideas on it. I think there's some totally. opportunities there for, for some UBI distributions. Yeah, if you're trying to separate church from state, uh, I don't feel like church should have tax exempt status, um, and not be subject to the normal regulations imposed on on typical businesses and and families and stuff like that. Totally agree. Yeah. I brought up sports. We wanted to talk a little, a little basketball. I mean, we, we missed out (laughs) bucks and six, baby. Bucks and six. You're the deer. Bucks and six. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. I wish I had my bucks hat to throw on right now. It's time. It's time. It is. Um, We missed out on March madness. Such a shame. I, 
can't really even verbalize how uh, just annoyed and, and irksome that really is. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's just nothing. Right, right now would be, I think we, we probably would have had the national championship by now or we'd be getting really close to it. Uh, I don't know exactly what the schedule would have been. Yeah, it actually would have been uh, not this past Monday, but the Monday before, and Kansas would have won the championship. I don't think ESPN would agree with that. You probably uh, saw the same uh, projection or simulation that I saw, which I believe actually had the University of Wisconsin Badgers (laughs) winning the whole thing. Guards, Wisconsin Badgers, huh? Wow, how about that? You saw that, right? I did see that. Yeah, I was very yeah, okay. excited about it. It actually had Wisconsin beating <laughs> Kansas. I was like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It is. I, I don't. I don't think that would happen in uh, many universes at all. But uh, you just never know. I mean, I think Wisconsin okay. was the hottest team in the country outside yeah. of probably you could say like a Kansas or a Gonzaga, San Diego mm-hmm. State, some of these schools who lost Dayton. Them. Dayton. Oh, Obi Toppin's a hell of a player. Yeah. Um, but Wisconsin, you know they. Basically, everybody was calling for Greg Gard's head. They wanted mm-hmm. him fired. Kobe King left the program. And uh, downward spiral. It just looked awful. And then the, they had a the strength coach got let go or he resigned right. in the middle of the season because of uh, racial epitaph. The Kobe, the Kobe King uh, drama. Exactly. Yeah. Then they just got on a roll and they kept winning. And the, it seemed like the culture really – um, came around and the team mm-hmm. was galvanized because that's what suffering can do. You know, shared suffering can yeah. really help to boost the culture. That's true. I think we can try to create some parallels to um, like even non-sports life, um, you know, to, to sports life with that same idea in terms of the whole coronavirus thing. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, after they lost Kobe King, I don't think they lost again. I don't know. I, I, maybe once, once, maybe once, but they, they ended up being, they went on quite the win streak um, or, you know, at the very least like nine out of 10 or something like that. And uh, ended up being the best team in the best conference. So I don't know playing with that was playing on fire. Um, they had a lot of people stepping up for them, have a very good core of players, not exciting by any means, but they, will get the job done in a certain brand of Wisconsin, Wisconsin basketball that they do every single year, no matter who their players are. 100%, man. And uh, the exciting thing is they're bringing back pretty much everybody next year. They're going to have five yeah. seniors. They're going to have a lot of leadership. Micah sure. Potter was a heck of an addition to this team from Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. And they're getting, uh, I believe, some twin brothers from Lacrosse Central. Sure and are. Some big, big recruits. And- I don't know if it's for next year or the year after, but got the number one rated basketball player in Michigan, North Dakota, um, maybe Iowa too, maybe. You're right. We did get the top in three states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, it's, and I think Wisconsin, because I think one of those twins from lacrosse, I think was the number one. That's what it is. I, right. I might be wrong, but I think it was that. Yeah. You're right. So it's a, it's a great time to be a, a Wisconsin Badger supporter, fan, yeah. Remember, it's future's uh, looking bright. Future's Remember. looking really bright. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, Just playing. But also the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I 
that even that hurts me even more than than the lack of the NCAA tournament and the Badgers. Because um, of course the Bucks were the best team in the NBA, best record, best individual player in my opinion. I know that uh, LeBron started getting a lot of um, momentum in regards to the MVP discussion, like right there, kind of before the everything mm-hmm. shut off, but. I just I don't see really why that would be the case. Yeah, but, I totally to be honest, agree. The best player on the best team with better stats, with a worse supporting cast. I mean, he won the MVP last year and then got better in term in pretty much all statistical categories, and his just you know clear dominance has has only improved. I don't see. I don't see how you cannot give it to a guy like that. Yep, I totally agree. And the thing is, it's it's totally recency bias. So LeBron had like three or four huge games there at the end of the season, mm-hmm. one of which was against the Bucks. The Lakers beat the Bucks, but we beat them earlier this season. And Giannis has been consistently incredible all year long. You know, I don't think he averages a triple double, but it's really close, and it's a much more efficient triple double than what Russell Westbrook always <clears throat> does. Um, I will say, I think Kobe's passing. It, it sparked something in LeBron. I feel like he's kind True. of brought a different energy since that happened. Yeah, I, I think that's the case too. I, I think the the city of Los Angeles as a whole probably feels that, uh, or the team uh, in regards to the Lakers probably feels that at the very least. Uh, so they definitely would have given either us a run or the or the Clippers a run or um, you know the I guess the Jazz or whoever would be uh, um, you know high up there in the Western Conference. It would have been so dang fun to watch. Um, and I'd get some basketball here in the next couple of months. I'm totally down to watch them play without fans. I don't know about you, but Absolutely. I think it'd, I think it'd be awkward, but I'm down. It'd be very awkward. And it would be hard for them. But, man, it's, it's just like being a kid and playing on the playground again or playing in front of just your parents in junior high. You, you, we still got up for that. You know, if, if we went to the pool and we were playing a full-court game, we yeah. were juiced. So we didn't need the people. And, yes, it would be awkward, but – uh, it would be huge from a revenue standpoint as well because the TV deals, you can almost max those deals uh, even more because the viewership should go up. People are just have yeah. such a thirst for sports right now. So any way that we can get it to them. I think the, the fact that ESPN is showing essentially just classics or, or mildly interesting games that happened in the past. Um, what did I, did I see like a championship of ax throwing or something like that on TV? Oh gosh. Um, they, they replayed the, uh, the rocket league uh, season eight uh, RLCS championship, which happened a couple of years ago nice. on ESPN, which is uh, an esport that I'm fond of, but if things like that are being played and are being watched, uh, yeah, there's, there will be an explosion of, uh, of fervor for real sports when that actually happens. I mean, I, I'd, I'd watch any sport at this point, pretty much. It could be, I don't know, Edmonton versus uh, the Dallas Stars. Nice. And I, w- I would totally watch that. <laughs> I couldn't care <laughs> less my, team, but... <laughs> That's my squad, man. Mike Madonna and Brett Hall growing up. I used to yeah. play them on the PS1. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> NHL yeah. Center Ice or whatever that game was called, too. <laughs> oh, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. That was a classic on the 64. Oh, yeah, we had some good times in college, that one. Sure did, man. Some people um, up against the wall. Yeah. Well, I guess they're, they're doing horse now. That's what they have going that's on right. on ESPN. That's right. Yeah, so that's, that's how sad the times are, that Ugh. we now have horse. We, we don't even have real horse. We have 
FaceTimed horse uh, being filmed by random current or former NBA player girl, girlfriend um, mm-hmm. or quality with uh, Mark Jones trying to commentate um, Mark Jones, right? I, th- okay. I think so, yeah. But Mark Jones, yeah. Um, trying to kind of commentate and moderate these, these matches uh, on his own poor quality video camera and microphone setup. Um, it's choppy. It's weird. I don't know. Did you watch it? I saw a couple minutes. That's why I'm not sure. Was it Mark Jackson, the former head coach? Nope. Not, nope. not, not Mark Jackson. Hopefully um, it was Mike Jones. That'd be, a, that'd be a fun guy to have. <laughs> Speaking of Mike Jones, um, I guess, uh, yeah, it is Mark Jones. Um, nice. Trey Young uh, published his phone number on, uh, on Instagram, and then they played it on ESPN. <laughs> like, his actually, he's, he's like, yeah, just, uh, he kind of has a lisp, you know? So he's like, yeah, just, uh, you know, trying to connect with my fans, and I just want you guys to hit me up and let me know what you're doing. And he's like, yeah, the phone number's still active. You can still reach me there. Old strategy, Cotton. Old strategy. Wow. (laughs) He must be keeping his phone on silent at this point. I would think Uh, so. Do not disturb. Do not. Yeah, exactly. It's just constantly getting blown up, I'm sure. Gosh, that's uh, all the entrepreneurs now are sharing phone numbers. So they probably have that side phone because it's it's a great marketing ploy to uh, engage with your fans. And then you can have your personal assistant respond to texts or send out mass texts saying, hey, I have a webinar coming up or We've got a conference. I think from a revenue generation standpoint, it's genius. That's really smart. I hadn't considered any of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess I just assumed it was his real phone and that he was just having a really weird time now. Yeah, building that personal brand. True. But hey, man, I, this, this has been great. It's been a great conversation. Love hearing all your medical insights. Sure. Uh, appreciate you, you coming on. Is there any final words of wisdom for the people from Dr. Edquist? Um. Do what the CDC says. Keep your heads up. Um, don't be too scared, but uh, but also don't be an idiot. Um, you know, we'll get through it. And uh, everyone's here at the hospital. Everyone's here working for for the population and working for uh, for our potential patients. So everybody's prepared and ready. Um, and you'll be in good hands wherever you go. Try to just keep your head up. Basically, is all I got. Amen. Yeah. Keep your head up. Practice some gratitude. Yes. Uh, stay connected to your people, reach out to your people and just remember, we're going to come out of this a lot stronger than we were before we went into it and read more books and definitely read more books. Yeah. I'm reading soup by John Gordon right now. Recommend anything by John Gordon. He's a positive, positive guy. He's got some good writing and I just finished atomic habits by James clear, which I would recommend above, uh, the soup John Gordon recommendation. Atomic Habits is probably going to change your life in some way, shape, or form. So get it on. Eddie, you're the man. Love you. Love you too, my man. Appreciate you. Yep. See you later. All right. Bye-bye.